Good morning. I'm Andy Stoddard. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of your day to dig into God's Word this morning with us on this Good Friday. Uh, Good Friday might be the um, most, I don't know, some would say it's the most misnamed day in the history of the world because we're calling um, good something that is tragic. But we call it good because through what happens today on Good Friday, our sins are forgiven. Uh, we are reconciled with God. We are atoned for. And uh, we can experience the forgiveness of God. But um, it's not good for Jesus when you read through what happens today. Uh, at our church at St. Matthew's United Methodist Church, t- tonight at 6 p.m., we're going to have one of my favorite services. I said this about last night's service, our Monday, Thursday. But I'll say it about tonight as well, our Good Friday service. It's a powerful service where we do something called Tenebrae, where we read through the accounts of Jesus' last few hours and moments. Uh, and then we uh, have a lot of use of light and of things like that. And it's very powerful. And so if you're in the Jackson metro area, I would invite you to come worship with us tonight at St. Matthew's or find a local church wherever you live. Um, and uh, if they have a Tenebrae service or a Good Friday service, I would encourage you to attend. If you never have, it's a service I believe that will really bless you and really make you appreciate Easter more. So on Good Friday, there's so many paths we could walk down as we reflect this morning. So many places we could go. You know, I, we could talk about where Jesus uh, starts off by saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which we hear as a cry of defeat because it's a cry of anguish. When you actually read that verse, you see he's quoting Psalm 22. Then if you go back and read Psalm 22, you'll see that Psalm 22 is actually a psalm of victory. So what we hear as a defeat for Jesus when he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The original hearers of the quote, the original readers of the text, would understand that Jesus was quoting Psalm 22, which is actually a psalm of God's victory and God's power and God's salvation. So we see that the cross, while it looks tragic, while it was tragic for Jesus to go through, actually is the ultimate means of defeating the effect of sin. The Bible's full of things that are corrected. So we see in Genesis, the Tower of Babel, where the languages were confused, We see on Pentecost, through the power of the Holy Spirit, everybody heard the same language. We see in Genesis that it starts off in a garden. We read in Revelation, it ends in a garden. So we also see in Genesis 3, we see where the serpent attacked Adam and Eve, and they fell into sin because of that. We see in Genesis 3.15 that God promises that one day an offspring of Eve would crush the head of the serpent. And that is exactly what happens here. So in the cross, we see the forgiveness or the atonement, the making right of what happened in Genesis 3. The entire Bible is a story of God's plan of redemption for us as humans through covenant. First in the Old Testament, through the Levitical covenant, now in the New Testament, through the covenant of grace through Jesus Christ. So God is a covenant God. We are a covenant people. Covenant just means that God comes to us and makes agreement with us. And ultimately, the agreement we make is that he says, if if uh, we um, if we will confess, believe, and have faith, we will be saved. And so we as Christians are a covenant people. We live under the covenant of grace with God that is shown in our baptism. Um, so to chase a rabbit here, that's why just as the Jews circumcised children to show they were part of the covenant community, we United Methodist, as well as other traditions, that's why we baptize infants. 
to show they are part of the covenant community, that one day they must then accept that covenant for themselves through their confirmation or through their profession of faith. So anyway, you didn't come to the, today for a baptism conversation, but hey, you know, you've got a Methodist preacher. I'm going to talk to you about baptism a little bit. Back to the text. Um, I want to read to you, though, uh, part of the uh, Good, Good Friday account from, uh, we're going to read it from Luke 23, verses 32 um, through um, through um, 38. Sorry, I got a little confused looking at my Bible this morning. I'm, I use my small Bible for these reflections, and my, my eyesight's not as good as it used to be. Two others who were criminals were led to be put to death with him. They came to the place that is called the skull. They crucified Jesus with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they were doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood, watching. But the leader scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The, Messiah, the soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also this inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. Remember we talked earlier about Palm Sunday? how being a king in that concept meant a certain type of thing. They were expecting an earthly pink king to come and throw off Rome. And so what they now see, Jesus being crucified, they see that as ultimately saying that he isn't king. Because remember, they were looking for the wrong thing. What we as Christians see as ultimately his greatest triumph, the cross and then the, in the empty grave, for the, for the people watching, the religious leaders, the Romans, they saw this not as triumph, but as failure. Because you say you're a king, yet you can't even save yourself. You say you're a king, yet you can't even save yourself. So we as Christians understand that what we see as power and greatness is actually that of service and of love. And if we seek after the earthly means of power, we're actually giving into the way of the world which is the exact opposite way of what Christ was doing here. Because this is why the passage I wanted to highlight, though, is where he says this, 34. Father, forgive them for they're not what they're doing. I think that right there is the ultimate sign of God's love for us, the ultimate sign of God's redemption for us. Because in that, Jesus is looking upon those who are piercing his hands, piercing his feet, mocking him, spitting at him, degrading him. And he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's ultimately what sin does to us, is that sin blinds us from reality. So what is reality? We see reality with Jesus is love and forgiveness and grace. Well, the world blinds us to that. And the world makes us think that reality or what matters is power and wealth and privilege and these type of things. And Jesus knows that these things of the world, they will lead to death. Service, grace, mercy, following Christ, that leads to life. But it looks out of step, doesn't it? It looks out of step. Forgiveness always looks out of step. Restoration always looks out of step. The way of Christ always looks out of step. Jesus came to forgive us of our sins. As John the Baptist says, when, he first, when Jesus first walked by with his disciples, he looked, behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. On the cross, the sin of Adam and Eve, the fall, is atoned for and corrected. On the cross, our sin, both the sins that we've committed, the sins that we're going to commit, the sins that we have, shall we say, our sins of omission, things we have not done, those are forgiven. 
The cross is the means for our forgiveness. The cross is the means for our atonement. The cross makes us right with God. We are justified through his death and restored through his life. We are atoned for. We are, I heard somebody say one time, atonement, at one with. We are made right with God. So for us as Christians, it's important for us on this Good Friday to remember what Jesus did for us. We want to earn it, don't we? We want to do our part. But the only thing that we must do is believe, have faith. Justification comes by faith, not through works. So we need to take some time today on this Good Friday to read through the account of Jesus, to read through the account of the cross, and remember what he did for us. Remember what he did so that we could be forgiven, so that we could be restored. And then when we understand that, we live our life not seeking to earn this grace, seeking to earn this forgiveness. We live our lives as a thank you. We live this life as a response to what God has done. So I hope you know today just how loved you are, that God gave his very best so that you could be forgiven. Your sins that you've committed have been atoned for. The blood of Christ has washed over them. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. You are. Jesus died so that you could be forgiven. As, and that's why it's called Good Friday. Because as painful as it was for Jesus, you are forgiven. I hope you hear that today. I hope you understand that today. Through Christ, you are forgiven. Take some time today to think about that, what it means to be forgiven. And take some time today to remember what Jesus did for you. And then maybe all of us live our lives moving forward, not seeking to earn God's forgiveness, but live our lives as a response to God's forgiveness. You are forgiven. I pray you have a blessed Good Friday and a wonderful resurrection Easter Sunday morning. If you're in the Madison area, we'd love to worship with you here at St. Matthew's. Um, thanks for watching these reflections. I hope they're a blessing to you. Let me know. Comment below. Message me. Um, I hope these are a blessing to you. And we'll be back Monday with a, a new reflection. So thanks for watching. Thanks for podcasting. Uh, have a great and blessed Holy Friday, Good Friday, and then a blessed Easter. Thanks. Mm-hmm.